So today's daf is uh, is Kuf Gimel in Erovin. We're going to start on the bottom of Kuf Bet Amud Bet, the new Mishnah. We're continuing with this uh, subject that really is, uh, as we said, the, the end of Masechet Erovin doesn't deal so much with Erovin at all, but it deals uh, not even really directly with uh, carrying or Chatzerot or any of the things that we've come to be familiar with from this Masechet, but really deals with a bunch of uh, sort of uh, loose ends of different Halachot of Shabbat that are mostly Dirabanan, and uh, and also some of the halachot uh, pertaining to the overriding of rabbinic halacha in the Beit Hamikdash, but nothing really related to chatzerot or eruvin directly anymore. So the Mishnah says, "Koshrin nima b'mikdash, avalo b'mdina." You can tie a string on an instrument. Now, let's talk about the instruments that the Levim would use to uh, accompany the music that was played during the offering of the korban. Uh, the Korban Tamid in the Beit HaMikdash, there would always be uh, music playing. So this was, a, if their string of their harp became uh, broken on Shabbat, so in the Mikdash, they could tie it back together, but not outside, meaning if they were not in the Beit HaMikdash, uh, someone not in the Beit HaMikdash would not be, be allowed to do that. Now, anyway, we don't use mu- musical instruments outside, outside the Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat anyway. But, uh, and, in order, and to tie it initially is definitely not allowed in, in either place. In other words, even in the Beit HaMikdash, let's say the Levi ne- had a, a, a damaged harp from before Shabbat. He's not allowed to fix it on Shabbat if it was already damaged before Shabbat, or if he wants to like make a harp on Shabbat. You wouldn't be allowed to do that. That's for sure. But to tie it, which is uh, considered to be not exactly the correct way to, uh, to fix it, you know, you don't tie a string of a harp, but they would do that in order that would be functional for the time being so that they could use it for that Shabbat for the, uh, for the Shira. So the... Um, so, but, but, but either way, you're not allowed to do anything like that outside the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, and to start something fresh, even in the Beit HaMikdash, not allowed. Romano, there is an objection. It says in the Brayta that, no, if the, if the string of the harp gets broken on Shabbat, you can't tie it in the normal way. You actually have to do aniva. Aniva means to loop it around, like make a bow, but not really a full knot. So that's, that seems to indicate that tying is not allowed. It's not a difficulty. It depends who you ask. The rabbis, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, so generally we have a machlok between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim. This actually we saw in the in Masechet Shabbat, uh, practically for, uh, yeah, but, it, but in, in, in uh, Rabbi Eliezer de Mila, the, the, the parak in, in Masechet Shabbat, but it goes through like every mitzvah, he basically says, you can, you can violate the Yom Tov or Shabbat in order to fulfill any mitzvah, not just the mitzvah itself, but machshirei mitzvah, whatever is necessary. So you're allowed to cut down trees and, uh, and make charcoal from the logs in order to make a knife, in order to do the Brit Milah. All of the steps are, are allowed to be done for the sake of the mitzvah. So when it said that koshra, that you could, uh, you could tie the string of the harp, so in a, the, the playing of the music uh, is, is considered machshirei mitzvah. It's something that accompanies, uh, that accompanies the, uh, uh, the uh, service of the Beit HaMikdash. Rashi says, v'shir have machshirin dida. That the that the shir the song was like a qualifi- a qualifier of the korban. It's not considered the korban itself. Definitely overrides uh, overrides Shabbat. But the question, but the music is only uh, considered a machshir. It's considered something which uh, it, which it, you know sort of enhances the mitzvah. It's not the mitzvah itself. So he's saying that that's also called machshir mitzvah. 
And that would overwrite Shabbat. You could tie the harp, even if it's an Isur Deoraita. But the rabbis say, no, you can only bow, the uh, make a bow of the string. You cannot tie it fully. Now, the question is like this, though. But if it's Rabbi Eliezer, then he should say you can make a harp on Shabbat. Because Rabbi Eliezer says whenever you have a mitzvah to do, you can do all of the preparations and everything necessary to make it happen, including a, a mohel could make a knife on Shabbat in order to do the Brit Milan. And if he had to cut down trees in order to burn them into charcoal, in order to make the knife, meaning no matter how many steps there are between you and the mitzvah, you can do all of them. So definitely here to make a harp should be allowed then. So what's the problem with making the harp then? Right? So that's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Yes. Yes, it's one of the mitzvahs. Every day, every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they would, they would play music and sing, both. Both, yeah, okay. yeah. So that so the, so Rashi here is saying that even the song is considered machshirid. It's not considered essence of the mitzvah, but it's considered you know creating the right ambiance for the mitzvah. But even that, and even to make the instrument should be allowed according to Rabbi Eliezer. So what are you talking about tying it if it breaks? You should be able to make a harp on you, on Shabbat according to Rabbi Eliezer. Forget about Rabbi Eliezer for a second. It's a machlok within Rabbi Yehuda and the rabbis because according to Rabbi Yehuda, whether you do aniva. Or whether you do, um, whether you do kshira, meaning any kind of tying is not allowed. So there's no distinction between making a bow knot or making a real knot, according to Rabbi Yehuda. And that would mean that, according to that, both of these opinions, both the Mishnah and the Brayta, are holding like Rabbi Eliezer, that the Machshirei Mitzvah override Shabbat. The question is, though, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it doesn't make a difference whether you tie with a bow or you tie a regular knot, because they're both equally prohibited. So if you're overriding the law of tying knots, it doesn't make a difference. So tie it correctly. And according to the rabbis, they say, well... Since you have the uh, the option of tying it in a makeshift way, just with aniva, and not with shura, do that instead. But really, they're both agreeing. Then, according to that, that uh, you're allowed to override Shabbat for the sake of these what's called machshirei mitzvah. So the Gemara says aliba nevan. Now, who, according to whom are they having this argument then? Because we just said a second ago that if you're going like Rabbi, you know, if you're going to the, according to the, the rabbis who argue with Rabbi Eliezer, they say that machshirei mitzvah is not allowed on Shabbat. So if you didn't do the preparations for the mitzvah and the harp is broken, there's nothing you can do. You can't fix it in order to allow you to play the music to accompany the Korban on Shabbat. You wouldn't be allowed to, okay, at all. So we must be going like Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer who says that anything that's, a, uh, that anything that's related to the goal of the mitzvah is allowed. So then why would you make a distinction? In other words, why is he saying only if it broke you're allowed to fix it? You should even be able to make a harp on Shabbat. So again, he says, There is an intermediate position. There's a position that says that preparations for a mitzvah are not allowed on Shabbat at all and they don't override Shabbat. There's a view that says that they completely override Shabbat. And then there's a mitzvah, there's a, there's a view in the middle that says anything that you could have done before Shabbat and you didn't do it, you can't now do it on Shabbat. But if something happened on Shabbat that interfered, you could fix it. So if the harp breaks on Shabbat, now you can fix it. But if it was broken before... Or if you didn't have one before, you should have gone to the store before. Why are you doing it now on Shabbat? Right? And that is what we're going to say. Ben Levi. This is Rabbi Shimon and the rabbis. Ben Levi, a Levi, that his, his harp string broke. Right? That, that was the harp back then. Now, you know, that's what they called the, the, the kinor. Koshra. So, right? So, Rashi says, arpa, the harp. Right, that's what they called it. Not a violin, like uh, I mean, sometimes they show pictures of violin, but I don't think they had violins. And uh, definitely not a modern violin. Kinoor it's David much later, is, huh? Like Kinoor David is 
Right. Oh, it's oh, some oh, kind oh, of a harp. Oh. They, it, it, they call the string instrument kinor, but, uh, you know, they, they, had, uh, they, had mit, they had percussion instruments and they had string instruments and they had some, like, flutes and stuff like that, like wind instruments, you know. Anyway, so koshra, you can tie it. Rabbi Shimon Omer Onva. Rabbi Shimon says you can bow tie it, but not tie it fully. Rabbi Shimon Lazar Omer, that doesn't help anyway. What good is it going to do if you tie the middle of the string? It's not going to work. If you ever tuned a string instrument, so the way that you, you know, there's two knobs. And, uh, and, and, and so normally you don't snap the string. I mean, if you snap the string, you could pull the string up and roll it, you know, wrap it around the, uh, the other peg. And it will not work as well, but you, it, will, it will work, right? So rather than tie the broken string, he's saying, no, you shouldn't tie the broken string. What good is good, that going to do? You need to pull it up or pull it down towards the other peg of, the, uh, of whatever's holding the peg. Because, if you know, you know, because any string instrument has two pegs that are holding the <laughs> strings in place. And obviously the thickness of the string and how tightly it's held affects the pitch and all that. So you... you, you Wrap it around one of the pegs more tightly. That's that's the way to do it, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Now, what is the what is the point here? Point here is that um, that according to the way that, that the Gemara is now understanding it, okay, that according to the Tanakhama Koshra, since the since this harp broke on Shabbat, you can retie it on Shabbat because it was something that was not possible to do before Shabbat because it broke on Shabbat. There was nothing you could do ahead of time uh, to fix it. Obviously, if it broke on Shabbat, so, you, so you're allowed to fix it, right? And Rabbi Shimon is saying onneva. Rabbi Shimon is saying that you you can only bow it. You can't tie it because you're not allowed to uh, uh, to uh, to um, do a machshirei uh, mitzvah. That is, uh, that, you know, on Shabbat itself. So it says, so Rashi explains here, what does Rashi explain? Says, uh, yeah, yeah, that shows up. Yeah. This is, right, but this is, uh, this is uh, modern violin. The modern violin is like uh, not as old as the Beit HaMikdash. They didn't have anything that looked exactly like that, but it's a nice picture, you know, to give you an idea. But a harp is probably what they had. Um, so the so the so the, the Rashi says. Okay. So on one hand, they agree with Rabbi Eliezer that that something it's a preparation for mitzvah overrides Shabbat, but they disagree with him in saying that um, that it has to be something that occurred. On Shabbat, if it was a situation from before Shabbat, so then uh, then you, you can't remedy it on Shabbat. And according to Rabbi Shimon, you, even that you're not allowed to do. You can just bow it. You cannot fully tie it. And Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, listen, once you're already breaking Shabbat by tying something, you might as well tune it correctly. What are, what, why are you doing it in a way that's not going to work? At least get the mitzvah. Okay? That is one possible, possible way of interpreting it. So our Mishnah that says Kushrin is talking about according to the rabbi. Since it broke on Shabbat, you're allowed to fix it with the Kshirah. On Shabbat. However, according to Rabbi Shimon, the Brayta that said you have to make a bow, you can't make a full knot, that's Rabbi Shimon who says that even there you're not allowed to go ahead and tie because tying is one of the melachot. You can just bow it and that'll have to do for that Shabbat. Okay, alternatively, it could be that both of these opinions are following the rabbis, meaning forget about Rabbi Shimon who says that you can't do machshirei mitzvah on Shabbat, even when the circumstance emerges on Shabbat, he says you can't do anything about it. Maybe both of them are the rabbis, but it depends where this problem emerges. In other words, if it's in the middle, if it's on the sides, so then even like if it breaks on the end of the string, so you don't really need to do to fully tie it in order for it to work. You can sort of like do a makeshift thing, should be okay. But if it's right in the middle, a makeshift 
the bow is not going to work for using the instrument, and that's why they, they made a distinction. Or, alternatively, again, have habayimtza. Both of them could be in the middle of the string. But the only thing is, that one says, meaning, that Rabbi Shimon, who is saying that you have to bow it, is saying gazrina. And he's saying that if we allow you to do a regular knot in the middle of the string, when it breaks in the middle of the string, so then when it breaks on the end, you're also going to do a, 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 a full knot, even though you don't need to. So therefore we say never do a full knot, always bow it. And the rabbis say, no, if it breaks in the middle where it won't work at all unless you tie it properly, so tie it properly. And then if it breaks on the side, then you have to remember that you don't need to tie it fully, you just bow it there and it should be okay uh, making a bow knot and not a full knot. So the ra- that's, the, that's the distinction. So basically in the end what you have is three opinions. You have an opinion that says that machshire mitzvah, that, that anything that is necessary for a mitzvah even if it's remote from the mitzvah, like here, fixing the instrument is actually allowed on Shabbat. Even the chatchila, even uh, even if there was, even if the circumstance was it was present prior to Shabbat, still you're allowed to remedy it on Shabbat according to Rabbi Eliezer, according to Rabbi Shimon, the way that we understood it. Uh, the uh, and according to the, most of the chachamim, it's not allowed. So in the situation that emerges. Um, well, yeah, it would never be allowed, I meaning you would just not be able to do the mitzvah in that case. Like if you don't have the, a knife for a brit milah, you don't have a knife for a brit milah, you can't do it, you can't make the knife, right? And then you have the opinion here that's being brought as a middle opinion, which is the opinion that, listen, if it happened, if the situation was already there on Erev Shabbat, so then you have no excuse, but if it happens on Shabbat, then you're allowed to do it. And that's the way that Rashi interprets the, uh, these various opinions. Now we have... <laughs> yeah. Huh? Uh, they, right, I mean, they could. Right, if, if they have another one. Uh, right, I mean, no, it would be the same as tuning it. In other words, putting in the string, that's what it says, if you, if, you, if you put in a totally new string and you restring the instrument, that's the same as tuning it and tikkun kli. Right. Right, it's going to be the same or worse as putting, putting in a totally new one because you're totally creating a new string. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, a really good player should be able to play with uh, missing a string. You know, there's like, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there's, there's famous stories about the players that, you know, the string broke in the middle of the per- major performance and they played the whole thing without, uh, without having to replace it. Yeah. Really good ones. Anyway. Well, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. It's a famous story. Yeah. Oh, yeah? But he lives in New York. Oh, Shayeli. Oh. oh. So the Mishnah says, I saw him one time in uh, Washington. So you can cut off a wart that's on the body in the mikdash, but not in the, not outside. But you can't use a uh, a kli. You can't use like a knife to cut it off. You have to pull it off with your hand. Now this is talking about a kohen that wants to serve in the bet mikdash, and he has like a growth on his hand that uh, wart something like that on his hand that will make him pasul from uh, from serving. So in order to do the the avodah, he's allowed to pull it off. It's only an isur de rabbanan. What? Obviously, it's dry and stuff. We'll see, we'll dry. see. But it's, it's, it's visible, so he has to take it off. So to pull it off with his hand is only Surah Rabbanan because it's not the normal way of doing it. But to use a Kli, is not allowed to. And certainly outside the Bet HaMikdash, there's no reason to do it to begin with, let alone to use a Kli. And the Malachah here would be the Malachah Gozez, just like removing, like shearing the sheep, shearing anything off your body, your hair, or anything that's called Gozez. Okay? Now the Gemara says, Uraminu, we have an objection to this here. Kivov Havato. Actually, what should it actually say? Harkavato. Yeah, I thought so. It didn't make any sense. Harkavato v'havato mechut atchum v'chatichat yibalto en dochin. So it says, if you have a korban pesach, it's really talking about there. A person bring korban pesach, and um, and the korban pesach he wants, he needs to carry it or bring it from outside the techum. 
to offer it on, on Shabbat, I guess talking about where uh, Pesach, Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat. So they bring Korban Pesach on Shabbat. I think it is, yeah. So complicated. Right, they bring the Korban Pesach on Shabbat. So in order to bring it from outside the Tchum, or, or he has to carry it, or he has to cut off, uh, Yabelet, the, uh, like the wart or the growth on it, he says, Endochin, you can't do it, too bad for you. Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Duchin, Rabbi Eliezer says, no problem, because remember, Rabbi Eliezer says, any means to the end of a mitzvah is always allowed. You can carry it on your back, you can car- pick it from outside the tchum, you can cut off whatever you need to cut off, no problem. Right? Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yossi have a, a, a Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina have a, an, a discussion about this. Chad Amar Hav Hablecha. That they're both talking about, in other words, our Mishnah that says that, you're, that you can only cut off the Yabilit in the Bit of Mikdash but not outside. Okay? And this Braita that says, no, you can't, according to the Chachamim, cut it off. So, well, why not? Right? So it says, both of them are talking about a moist wart, but Vilakasha can be Advakan Bekli. One is talking about by hand. By hand, you could pull it off. With a vessel, with a cleat, you're not going to be allowed to pull it off. So, that when it, so when it says that you're not allowed to pull it off, it means with a cleat. Right? No, both of them are talking about with the hand. One is talking about moist, one is talking about dry. In other words, when it says that you're allowed to cut it off, that's talking about, in, in the Mishnah, talking about dry. When it, when it says you're not allowed to, it's talking about moist. Okay? Now, so according to the interpretation that our Mishnah that says you could pull it off, it's talking about by hand. And the one that says you can't pull it off the animal, which really should be the same thing, talking about with the kli, why didn't he take the other interpretation that the one you're not allowed to do is the, is the moist and the one that you're allowed to do is the dry? Because when it's dried out that much, even with the kli is okay. Dried out, it's not even attached to your body anymore. It's just crust, it comes off. Right? Because it just, it'll just crumble away. That's nothing. That's not a wart anymore. It's not really attached anymore when it's all dried out. So it wouldn't be an issue. Well, that's why I wouldn't even say that it's a, it wouldn't even say you're allowed to do that. It doesn't need to say you're allowed to do that because even with a clear, you're allowed to do that. And according to the one that says that the distinction here is between wet and dry. In other words, that in our Mishnah where it says that you're allowed to, that's talking about where it's dried out. And when it says you're not allowed to, it's talking about when it's moist. Why didn't he take that distinction and say, no, our Mishnah is talking about by hand. And when it says you're not allowed to talk about by, with a vessel, where if, it, if you, you know, the fact that you're not allowed to do it with a vessel, it already says in the Mishnah you're not allowed to use a kli. That you're not allowed to use a vessel. So why in Pesachim, when it's talking about Pesach, would it mention that you're not allowed to remove a wart and only be talking about a vessel? We already know you're not allowed to use a vessel to remove something like that. So what would the Chidush be? Right? So therefore it must be that, the, that what it's adding in Pesachim is that if it is moist, you're not allowed to remove it, even by hand. What about the other side of the debate? No, over there it needs to mention it again. Even though it's talking about using a kli there, it has to tell you that even with a kli, Rabbi Eliezer says it's okay. So that's why in Pesachim it brings up the issue again. Even though they're both talking about, right, over there is also talking about using a kli. And even though our Mishnah here says using a kli is not okay anyway, but they wanted to show you that Rabbi Eliezer says that you can. Vidach. So what will, the, what will the other side respond? Dumya. But look, it's connected. What are the examples given over there in Psachim? The examples are, that are given are a person who carries the animal, a person who brings it from outside the Tachum. Right? They're all rabbinic things. So that means it must be talking about removing that wart by hand. Because that's when it's derabanan. It can't be talking about removing it with a kli where it's deraita. Because why would it put it together with other things that are only derabanan? Like carrying the animal on your back? Because we say, 
a living animal actually carries itself, and it's only isur de rabbanan to carry a living thing, and and also uh, outside the tchum, also de rabbanan. So it says veidach. He says here kivo de la kerebi natan damar chayno sayet atzmo vahavatam chutz tchum kerebi akiva damar tchumin deoraita. No, I'll just say they're all deoraita actually. It's telling you there are things that are deoraita. It's telling you carrying the animal not according to Rabbi Natan that says that carrying an animal is only Durabanan. But according to the other rabbis that say it's deoraita and still Rabbi Eliezer says you can carry it. And according to, even according to Rabbi Akiva that says that Tchumin is deoraita. Right? Even the 2000 Amak Tchum is deoraita according to Rabbi Akiva. He would say that still, right, Rabbi Eliezer would still say, even according to that, you're allowed to come from outside the Tchum with your Korban Pesach because it overrides all the laws of Shabbat. And also using a kli to remove a wart from the animal would also override Shabbat because you're doing it for the Korban Pesach. That's, so therefore it had to mention there again that you're allowed to use a kli according to Rabbi Eliezer because it's talking about things that are deoraita. And yet Rabbi Eliezer still allows you to do it. Now, Rabbi Eliezer. It's not Asedo Chelotase. It's a uni- everybody agrees with. When we learned in Masachet Shabbat in, in uh, the... Uh, uh, Rabbi Eliezer de Mila, the, the parak of Rabbi Eliezer de Mila, it says that every mitzvah to say, he says, overrides, machshirei mitzvah overrides Shabbat, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Every mitzvah. Build a sukkah on Shabbat, make a lulav on Shabbat, make a knife for a, uh, for a brit milah on Shabbat. Every mitzvah to say overrides Shabbat. Machshirei mitzvah dochin. That's, that, it's not really a selot tochelot. Huh? Anything, because in in in, parak, in in that parak it says every positive mitzvah that you would need to violate Shabbat in some way to do it, you could do it. Pull it out of the ground on Shabbat, you could do it. I don't know. Yeah, he would say. No, anywhere according to Rabbi Eliezer. We learned this before. Yeah. You guys have a, you have to have to go back and do Chazarah. You forgot it. All right. Now, Matib Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said, "Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Kal Rabbi Eliezer said, "It's a Kal Vachomer." Shabbat. Well, if you see that that Shechita, which is actually a Melacha over at Shabbat, then these things that are only rabbinic shouldn't they override Shabbat? In other words, Rabbi Eliezer said, if you're allowed to do Shechitan the Korban Pesach, which obviously overrides Shabbat, so then why not carry the animal? It's only Durabanan. Why not uh, bring it from outside Tchum? Only Durabanan. So clearly, Rabbi Eliezer thought that these were Durabanan, not Durabanan. And that supports the idea that he was talking about removing it, not with a Kli. So I'm about removing it by hand. Okay? Now, Ela, Amar of Yosef, Hava Habiat, they're both talking about by hand. The, the point is that even though it's done, now here's the Chidush of Rav Yosef. He's saying that what does it mean in our Mishnah? Right? What it means is that yes, you can do this Isur de Rabbanan, removing the wart with your hand, not with a Kli, in the Mikdash. But if, you ha- if you're bringing a Korban to the Bet HaMikdash and you want to do it at home before you come, you can't do that. Right? Meaning you're bringing your Korban Pesach. You can override the rabbinic laws for sacred items, but only in the Beit HaMikdash, not at home. That's why in the Mishnah, when it says Bamikdash, it's talking about right, doing it actually physically in the Beit HaMikdash. And when it says that you cannot do it, when the rabbis are talking about bringing the Korban Pesach, it means doing it at home before you come, that you're not allowed to do, remove the war. But if you were in the Beit HaMikdash, then it would, they, would, they would say it's okay if you do it by hand. That's a, that makes good sense. Yeah, the assumption here is that it's pop on Shabbat, right? When, uh, you discovered Shabbat. it, I guess. Maybe you discovered it on Shabbat. Yeah, I guess if that, that's before Shabbat, there's not. Then why didn't you do Shabbat. it before? It's a good. Yeah, then you would, you should have been expected for. But but if you didn't get a chance or whatever, it's only in Isur de Rabbanan. So if you come to the Beit Hamikdash, you could override the the, the Rabbanans on Shabbat. Uh, but it's going to stand. 
It, it's basically saying either one at this point, because when you remove it with your hand, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it, that's not your kavanah. You just want to remove it. So I, you're right, you might be right, though. But yeah, but so Abaye was saying this over. And Etiver of Safra, of Safra didn't like this. He said to Abaye, We learned about this before a person sitting on the porch and he's reading a scroll. And the end of the Sefer went into the street. Right? He can roll it back to him. Now, again, we're talking about a person sitting on the stoop of the house and one end of the scroll rolls out into the. Now, you notice that they're considering that the same as a korban, right? Because it's Davar Kadosh. Because it's something which is a, a holy book. It's not talking about that the guy's not reading like Robinson Crusoe or something like that, right? He's reading, uh, he's reading some uh, Tanakh. So it, it rolled out into the street. And so it's, a, it's, an, is, it, it's an issue of, um, of, uh, of, of Kiddushav, Dvarim, Kiddushim. So, so it's the same in the Korban. So he says, you see from there, so you see, what do you see from there? That because of that, we're so concerned about the holiness of this item, we don't make a Gzerat Rabbanan and say that if I let you roll it back to where you're sitting from the Rishut Rabim, then, then if it falls out of your hand completely, you might go get it from the Rishut Rabim. I don't say that. So you see that we're not making Zerot. Even though normally we would say what? That if a regular, the, impl- the implication is that if you were reading some other book, Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare, and it rolled out, into the, rolled out into the street, you wouldn't be allowed to roll it back because what's your reason? To protect the holiness of Shakespeare? No. So that you, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't have a reason because the rabbis would say, if I let you roll it back, then maybe if it drops completely in Rashut Rabim, you'll also go get it. Now, the point is that he's assuming that you're sitting on a Rashut Yachid. Yeah. And it rolled into Rishut Rabim. Before, earlier in the Gemara, the Gemara already clarified that that's not the case. But that's what he's assuming. Okay? Velo something very, very expensive, but not holy. Same thing. It, would be, it wouldn't matter. Well, he's saying it wouldn't matter. He's saying when it says Sefer, it definitely means that you're learning something different. Now it says, Velo okim na beskopa karmalit. No, the answer is that we said already that this porch is not a Rishut Yachid, like you're assuming. This porch is only Karmalit. And since the guy's sitting in a Karmalit and it rolled into Rishut Rabim, right? It's already a Gzerad de Rabbanan, even if it dropped in the Rishut Rabim to bring it back to the Karmalit, because Karmalit is not a Rishut Yechid. So if that's already a Rabbanan, the rabbis didn't add another Rabbanan that you can't roll it back into your hand if you're holding one side. They didn't go that far. But that doesn't show you that when there is a clear Isur de Rabbanan that we wave it for the sake of holy things outside the Beit HaMikdash. Another example. It says that you're allowed to lower. Now this is talking about if it's a, in a case not where it's Erev Pesach Shechal B'Shabbat, but where Pesach fell, Erev Pesach fell on Friday, right? So you have to put the Korban Pesach into the Tanur to cook before Shabbat begins. This year is like that. Here. I know, I think Shabbat is Erev Pesach yeah, is here. Yeah. We're saying the other way. Oh. This is Friday. Korban Pesach Friday. So you, if it's a Korban Pesach, any other day of the week, so they do the Shechita during the day and you can cook it into the night. What's the problem? It's Yom Tov. Yeah. But, this, but in a year where Friday is Erev Pesach, meaning that the first day there is Friday night, Friday night is the first day there. So then, you, you would, how do you cook the Korban Pesach? You have to lower it into the oven before Shabbat starts. You can't cook the Korban Pesach on Shabbat. It has to be on the fire. Right, it has to be on the fire. But normally you can't put something into the fire right the second before Shabbat starts. If you're eating it for that night, you're not allowed to do that. Right. But it says here, when it comes to yeah. Korban Pesach, you could. And here you see that even though these people are cooking their Korban Pesach at home, 
right? Because you bring the korban home and you cook it. You don't you don't cook it at the Beit Hamikdash. You cook it at home and then you eat it, right? So you see that it is a it's a rabbinic rule, but de mikdash. But since it relates to a korban, normally you can't put food in right before Shabbat onto the fire that you're going to eat Friday night. Right? Because of, uh, because you might come to play with the coals unless you're leaving it and you cover the, you have to cover the coals and leave it till the next day. Right? But if you, if you're, if you're, or you, or you, you know, you have to have like uh, some kind of, uh, uh, you have to either go fin, you have to either clear out the coals, you have to cover it, whatever. You have to do something to uh, make sure that you don't play with the fire. But here we're allowing you regular, in a regular way without any protections, without any safeguards, without covering, without sweeping out. Just putting it in. You know, you can't touch it, but you're lowering it into roast. And you're going to leave it there, and then you're going to pull it out. You wouldn't normally be allowed to do that with nothing. It says Mishav Shalin. You're putting it in right before. Right before to roast. A minute before sunset. Right, a minute before. So how can you do that? That shows that you're, normally you're not allowed to do that. Right? Without some kind of cover, blech, whatever, something. Right? You're not not doing that. Now it says, so so you see that they override a rabbinic rule for the sake of uh, something kadosh. But you could have done it an hour ago. Why are you doing it now the second before? You could do that or no? It's saying you can. The question is, why are you allowed to violate rabbinic rules of Shabbat? Right? Why did they let you do that? They didn't say... No, it has to be... Normally you cook it, I mean, by the night. It doesn't have to be cooked that night, but saying they didn't have a chance to cook it. They ran late, so they they put it in the second before, but normally you can't put something in the oven the second before. You could have done it an hour before. Yeah, I, I assume so, but it doesn't matter. It's not even saying it's a problem. It's saying you're allowed to do it. It doesn't say somebody who forgot. You're allowed to do it. They decide to leave it to the last minute. You want it super fresh, to, you know, or something like that. You're allowed to do it. This, this positive commandment that's chayef correct. It's different. No, it is not. Eating no, the korban pesach is not. Only the shchitat pesach is. Yeah. So, ishtik. So he didn't have an answer for that. Ki Rav Yosef. When he came in front of Rav Yosef, Rav Safra. Right, so then he told him, uh, this is what Rav Safra said, he, he brought a good objection, he showed that sometimes rabbinic rules are waived even in the, uh, outside the Beit HaMikdash, for Korbanot. Why didn't you answer him? We say the, the people who are, who are uh, preparing the Korban Pesach are Zrizim. They're very careful. They're very. Pre- they're, they're not going to. Br- so these derabanan, these isurei derabanan, are only isurim uh, derabanan uh, are to protect you when you're lax and you're not careful. But here, because they're doing a, such a sacred mitzvah, they're going to be very careful. They're not going to break Shabbat in doing the mitzvah. Right? But what did Abaye say? Abaye said other people they're watching you. you well, they, no, it's a group. It's a team. It's a team that's doing it. So the assumption is that they're all going to be very careful because they're doing mitzvah. But Rabbi, but Abaye disagrees. Said kohanim We say that about kohanim. Right? That's why they're allowed to, for example, set the fire in the Beit HaMoked. They have a, an area that's for heating them at night. The people are staying in the Beit HaMikdash overnight. And in the wintertime, Yerushalayim, it's cold. And so they would have a, they had this fire. <coughs> Actually, even in, the, even in the warmer months, it's uh, nighttime, it gets cold. So they, so they, they had a, a, an area that they, they called Beit HaMoked. They're allowed to light it the second before Shabbat. Why? You normally have to wait till the fire, you have to light it early enough that the fire catches and starts to spread before Shabbat. Right, but it says no here because koanim zrizim him. We generally say koanim zrizim, but we don't say that about any uh, family that happens to have a korban pesach. Every family had korban pesach, right? So, so Abaye didn't answer that. Ravah Amar Ravah said, Rabbi Eliezer, he. This is really, really Rabbi Eliezer, oh. right? The Amar Machshirei Mitzvah Tochin Et Shabbat. Okay, in other words, this whole thing that you can remove the wart on Shabbat, the Chachamim say you can't do it. It's Rabbi Eliezer who is the one that says you can do it. Okay? And he says, 
ומודה רבי אליעזר דקמא דאפשר לשנויי משנינה. רבי אליעזר אגריז. In other words, both, she's explaining, הווה הביד, כתב אמר, דבקלי לקלה עוקמי לפסחים, משום לך. That you can't say that they allowed you to remove the wart with a kli for the Korban Pesach, because that for sure you're not allowed to do. Rather, both our Mishnah is saying that we're talking about removing it with the hand, and also, and, and, and that's why, so he says, um, he says, אלא מתניתין דקטני, I'm reading Rashi, שבות אפשר למת מול מדחי מקמי מכשירי מצווה. That even though you were able to do it the day before, Rabbi Eliezer says you're allowed to remove it on Shabbat Rabbi Eliezer. Now, right, so he says, that he says, דוחין, even an av melacha, even a melacha that is a, uh, a deoraita, you, is over, you can override it for the sake of the mitzvah. The only thing is that still, if you're able to do it by hand instead of with kli, it's better. In other words, he's saying that's why this Mishnah could still follow Rabbi Eliezer. Even Rabbi Eliezer would say it's better not to do it with the kli. Do minimize the, the Chilul Shabbat. Okay? Now, my, he, what are you talking about? Titania, as we learned in the Brayta. Kohen, shalata bo yabelet, chaveuchot chalab shinav. Now, how do we know that Rabbi Eliezer, how do you know that Rabbi Eliezer says that if you can minimize the violation of Shabbat, you should? Because it doesn't sound like he thinks that. It sounds like he thinks you can go burn down, uh, cut down trees and burn stuff and do whatever you need for a mitzvah. How do you know that you have to do it with a shinui? says, because, Kohen if a Kohen has a ward on his body that's going to interfere and he wants to remove it so he can do the service of the Beit HaMikdash, you better pick a good friend for this. Okay? Your friend can bite it off with his teeth. Okay? Right? What does that mean? Only with his teeth. Not with a vessel. And only his friend, not himself. In other words, there are two things. Number one has to be his friend. Number two, it has to be, Shit. meaning it can't be himself, and it has to be Bishinav with his teeth. So, right, so Mani, who's the author of this? Ilema, the Rabbanan, if you're telling me the rabbis, right, Uva Mikdash, and this is happening in the Beit HaMikdash. In general, the rabbis say that removing a wart by hand, okay, yeah. is only in Isur the Rabbanan. But Rabbi Eliezer, actually, in this, is more Machmir. Rabbi Eliezer says... In, uh, in Masechet Shabbat, that if you remove your fingernails or a wart from your body by hand, or even by the teeth, it's still an Isur del Raita, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Okay? So here, Ma'ulima, so according to the rabbis, what? Anywhere, anywhere. Right, so, so according to Rabbi Eliezer, according to the rabbis, any removal of it by hand is already a Durabanan. So why would you have to have your friend do it? Right? Elalav, Rabbi Eliezer, Amar Baal Machayav Chatat, Vacha, Afal Gav, the Machshim, Etzad, Ochirit HaShabbat, Kamad Efshel, Shanu Yemishaninan. It must be that we're holding like Rabbi Eliezer, who would normally say that removing the wart by hand or by teeth is an Isur Deoraita, actually. But, so therefore you have your friend do it. Why would you have your friend do it? Because at least you diminish the extent of the Isur. Because you're, allowed, you're able to distinguish, to, to, to diminish to some extent. So, and, and that way, um, even though he would allow you to override a, uh, even though he would allow you to override a, he says, In other words, since you have an option, which is not the right, it will be like, can I burn down, a, can I cut down a tree and burn it and make a new knife uh, if I already have a knife? Uh, obviously not. 
right? For the, for the Brit Milah. So he's saying, since you have a way to do it, have your friend do it, so then uh, you're Why not doing it the right time. For your friend to do it. You're telling him to do it's it. It's a Shinui, because yes, normally you wouldn't have your friend. Uh, do you normally have your friend bite things off your body? Do I never had that. What? If you do it with the teeth, it's already a Shinui. Well, he, no, because according to Rabbi Eliezer, that's not a Shinui. According to the Rabbi Eliezer, using either hand or teeth, either of your two hands or your teeth is not a Shinui. It's the right time. That's the whole point. So that's why he's having someone else do it. But you see from this that Rabbi Eliezer is saying that even though I hold that you're allowed to override a Deoraita, I still say if you could diminish the violation by doing a Deorabanan, it's better. Okay? And it says, no, not necessarily. Le'olam Rabbanan. Maybe it's really the rabbis here. And if it came on his stomach, it's true. That really, uh, that, you know, that, uh, that his friend wouldn't be necessary. Because pulling it off with your own hand is also the Rabbanan. But hachabe mayeski. It doesn't need to say neshicha. It means, uh, it means yabelet. Okay? Something happened on his back. Right? Yeah. So they, so the, um, so either it came on your back or on your elbows. Somewhere, diulo shakila. Since he himself can't remove it, so then he has to, uh, so that, so that, so then, therefore he has to have his friend do it. But really, that's not of the essence. Really, even if he had, if he had a wart in a place where he could remove it with his hand, that would also be an issue of it doesn't matter. Just saying, if it's in a different place on his body where he wouldn't be able to do that, then he has to have somebody else do it. But Rabbi Eliezer would say it doesn't matter whether the person uses a clee, whether the person does anything. Doesn't matter because according to Rabbi Eliezer, all violations are equal. That's what it's trying to argue. You don't have to diminish it. Hold on, let's just get to the end. So if the ra- if that's true, so why does he have to use shinaim then? Right? Why is he using his teeth then? Just say have your friend pull it off, and that's enough, right? If if pulling it off by hand is always the rabbanan. Right? Anyway, whether you do it or somebody else does it, okay, I understand it's on your back, you need someone else to do it. But th- why do they have to use his teeth? Right? So it says, Moreover, it should mention the hand, because then it would be clear what Rabbi Elazar says. That Rabbi Elazar said, the machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and the rabbis is about using the hand. Because Rabbi Eliezer says, the hand is always in Yisro Deoraita, even though, even though it's an unusual, somewhat unusual to do that instead of using a kli. But everybody agrees with a kli, it's divraya kol chayav. Why not use the, that everyone agrees that with a kli, it's always a Deoraita. So the machloket is about hand. So it would be helpful if it used the case of the hand. Why does it use the case of the teeth, which doesn't show clearly that Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim disagree in the case of the hand, right? Because now that's using teeth, you'll say, well, maybe that's because even the rabbis think that using your hand is a deoraita to remove the wart. Why, why doesn't it come out and say hand? So, so therefore, what do you see from this? Yeah, so you see from this that, uh, that it's not really the rabbis, because if this were the rabbis, then the case would have been the hand, not the teeth. The fact that it's having your friend do it with the teeth is that because the friend is of the essence of the case. Because according to Rabbi Eliezer, yeah. whether you do it with your hands or with your teeth doesn't make a difference. It's still the same level of deoraita. It's only once your friend comes along and does it that it makes a difference. And that's why it mentions the friend. So, so now, what he could, he could, he could. But let's just finish the argument first before we, because then we, if we have too many side conversations, we lose the flow. It's exactly the same thing, right? So according to Rabbi Eliezer, according to you, that Rabbi Eliezer, uh, you know, so so according to Rabbi, that it's really Rabbi Eliezer here, right? That it's really Rabbi Eliezer, and you want to prove. The Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that even though you're allowed to override a Deoraita, if you have the option to just do a Deorabanan, you should do that instead. So why doesn't he do it by his hand? Exactly. Right? The, 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 so see, you don't have to ask the question because the Gemara usually figures out the question, right? So why, why doesn't he do his hand? Why, why does he have his friend biting him? It's weird. Okay? If it's the same thing. 
So it says, Hi, so, so therefore what? So why are you so compelled to say it's Rabbi Eliezer? It still the case doesn't work. You don't like the fact that it, you don't like the fact to say that it's the rabbis speaking in that case. Because you're saying that if, the, if it's the rabbis, then uh, why are they using Shinaim? But I could ask the same thing. Why is, uh, why is Rabbi Eliezer using Shinaim? It's the same thing. Once you have your friend doing it, according to everyone, it's the Rabbanan. So what difference does it make hands or teeth? So it says, no, it's not true. Because Rabbi Eliezer, we understand. Rabbi El- We're arguing that Rabbi Eliezer holds that yes, violations are pushed aside for the sake of the mitzvah of serving in the Beit HaMikdash, and therefore even removing the Yabelet or whatever is pushed aside. But we're saying he, he recognizes gradations. Okay, you can, if you can do this in a rabbinic violation instead of the Oraita, do it in a rabbinic violation. And, right? So therefore, we understand, he says, Therefore, he said, in, since I hold that the Deoraita is using hand or vessel, or, right, and, and therefore, and I don't want the, uh, he says, that's why he said, I want the person to use their teeth because that way they won't come to use a clee. Okay? That rather than using a hand where they might come to use a clee. In other words, since he's recognizing lower levels of violation, he's saying get as far from the core violation as possible. So he says, use the teeth. But the rabbis, okay, because according to the rabbis, it's very simple. Let either the friend, if it's on his back, let his friend remove it with his hand. If it's on his stomach, he can remove it himself with his hand. In other words, there's no gradations. Once you're in the realm of rabbinic violation, the rabbis say anything goes. What difference does it make? Teeth or hand or whatever, it doesn't make a difference. But according to Rabbi Eliezer, that, there are lev- that we're, we're pushing off even biblical violations, but if we can lower the, 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 the stringency, we lower it. So as much as we can lower it, we lower it. So therefore, we'd rather you not use hand. Because hand, even though your friend is doing it, hand is closer to kli. And then maybe you'll end up doing it with a kli, which would be deoraita, even if somebody else does it for you, it's deoraita. So therefore, have him do it with his teeth. So he realizes I'm not using my hands and nobody will come to actually use a kli, which would be, uh, which would be uh, uh, even worse. So, the, uh, so there, because he's charting it, um, matters of degree so therefore he's going to say that not only should it be your friend but he should use his teeth instead of his hand because even though it's true they're both rabbinic violations whether the friend uses his hand or teeth according to Rabbi Eliezer if you use your hand or teeth it's deoraita but if your friend using hand or teeth doesn't matter um, it's going to be Durabanam because it's somebody else doing it. But if the friend uses a Klee, it will be Deoraita. Because that's like having a haircut. So I mean, right? Yeah, so, it's a, it's a, right. so therefore, don't use your hands even when the friend does it. So that way he realizes he can't use the Klee. Because once you're getting into mat levels of degree, so then it makes sense to try to remove you as much as possible. But according to the rabbis that say there's two categories. Deoraita, which is not pushed off. And Durabanam, which is pushed off. What difference does it make how far removed from the Deoraita you are? They're just saying Durabanans are pushed off. We're not worried about the Deoraita. Rabbi Eliezer, because he sometimes allows you to violate a Deoraita, and here he's saying there's a, there's a permitted path, he tries to keep you on the permitted path. The rabbis are already saying there's a forbidden path, you're not going to touch it anyway. Right, right, right. right so just when, within the Durabanan realm, you can do whatever you want to do. That's only any sort of Durabanan, and that's the conclusion. Oh, no, no.